The first reading is from Numbers 11, 4 through 6. The riffraff among them had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites wept again and said, Who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt, along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. The next scripture is Numbers 11, 10 through 17. Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry. Moses was also provoked. So Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? And why do you burden me with all of these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth so you should tell me, carry them at your breast as a nursing mother carries a baby to the land that you swore to give their ancestors? Where can I get meat to give all these people? For they are weeping to me, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all of these people by myself. They are too much for me. If you're going to treat me like this, please kill me right now if I have found favor with you and don't let me see my misery anymore. The Lord answered Moses, bring me 70 men from Israel known to you as elders and officers of the people. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the spirit who is on you and put the spirit on them. Then I will help you bear the burden of the people so that you do not have to bear it by yourself. Numbers 11, 24 through 29 says, Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. He brought 70 men from the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord descended in, in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the spirit who was on Moses and placed the spirit on the 70 elders. As the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did it again. Two men had remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad. The spirit rested on them. They were among those listed, but had not gone out to the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, asked assistant to Moses since his youth responded, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses asked them, are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. Thank you. I know some of y'all are like, why in the world are we in numbers? <laughs> like, that's just like what y'all read every day, isn't it? Um, so um, I, we're, we're going to, this is what we're going to do. Um, let me back up. Uh, one, one of, the, um, one of the, the scriptures that weighs heavy on my heart that I think about at least uh, once a week is when Paul is, is telling his church in Ephesus, he says, I am innocent of the blood of all people because I did not shrink to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Meaning he said, I ain't skipped nothing. 
I told you everything that was important from the word, things that you liked, things that you didn't like, things that you might have thought were interesting, things that you were like, I don't even care. It don't matter. I told you the whole thing. And I think about the day that I have to stand before the Lord and I wonder what he will say. And I, I hope, I hope that he would say, well, you, you declared everything that was profitable. You didn't skip anything. You told the people what was in the word. And my hope for you is that when you stand before the Lord and the Lord judges you, I hope that you will never have to say, well, I didn't know that. I, like that would, that would just be terrible to me. And so I, I, I'm often thinking, how can I get the whole counsel of scripture, everything, every theme, every, everything that the Bible says that, that, is, that is for our good, that teaches us about who God is. How can I make sure that that is declared? Now, who here has a Bible reading plan? Anybody just randomly read it? Yeah, most of y'all got some sort of Bible reading plan. Why, why you got a plan? Because you're going to hit some points where you're like, well, this is not the most interesting thing, but it's the, on the plan today. Yeah? Okay? Can we, amen? Y'all spiritual. All right. Now listen, that, that there, the same thing exists for a church. There's a church like on a Sunday morning reading plan. The fancy word for it is lectionary. So you're like, where do you pick these psalms? I don't pick them every week. I just, there's a church reading plan. I'm like, this is the one. This is the one that's on the date. And so for today, this is the Old Testament uh, scripture. And I just really felt the necessity to spend some time in the Old Testament. Now, our usual means is that we go through books in the Bible. But I don't know if you ever read Numbers. But the first six chapters is a census, okay? So yeah, it would not be super interesting if I was like, all right, Numbers chapter one today. Yeah, I'm like, what are we doing? So we're going to spend some time kind of jumping around the Old Testament. Again, why? Why? I want to have the whole counsel of God. I don't want to skip anything. I want to make sure that, that the scriptures are represented well in their entirety. So that's my little mini sermon on what we are doing and why we're in this uh, in Numbers chapter 11. Now, we live in a consumeristic age, and this is how you know. Half people ask the question, when do you have enough? Now, no matter how little or how much somebody has, more times than not, they're always looking for something else, right? Now, that makes sense if you're like, I don't have a lot, but you got folks up there rich talking about, can I go to the moon? Why? What you going to do with the moon? <laughs> like, you know, like, I got so much money, just I'm going to spend it on going to the moon. Like, you just, you, just chill, man. Go, go eat a steak or something. Now, like, it's never enough. There's always something else. Even if you got everything, there's this one more thing. And what happens is because we live in a consumeristic age, we have this propensity to grumble. I wish it, ah. That gets me so mad. I wish this could happen. I wish I could have that. Or I wish they didn't say that to me. Or I wish I got that promotion. Or I wish I got that. It, it makes us grumble. Every single one of us is guilty of this grumbling. And it is an evidence of a lack of contentment. Yeah? So we have this lack of contentment. We kind of grumble either in our mind or under our breath. Because we can't. When, the answer to the question, when do you have enough, is I never I just want the next thing. Give it to me. But what we have to ask ourselves is this. What is the solution to grumbling and a lack of contentment? From Numbers 11, we can see that two of those solutions is this, that God gives us the Holy Spirit and spirit-filled leaders for our joy and contentment. 
God gives us the Holy Spirit and spirit-filled leaders for our joy and contentment. Before we dig into it, let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you help us to understand your word? Lord, we, we know that all of it is profitable, that all of it has meaning, that nothing is written uh, by randomness or a mistake. But Lord, it is written for our good. And so by the Spirit, would you help us understand what's written here today? Amen. Amen. Now, what we see in the verse section, and starting in verse 4, is that a small group can cause the whole to stumble. A small group can cause the whole to stumble. Verse 4, the riffraff. Now, that sounds like Moses was an old person just mad at some folk. <laughs> them riffraff over there. All right. The riffraff among them had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites wept again and said, who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt, along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. Verse 10 says, Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry, and Moses was also provoked. Now listen, context is Context is king. So what, what is going on? How do we get to this particular area? So, so we, in Exodus, we have the story where God miraculously freed them from slavery in Egypt. Okay? And he says, I'm going to free you from slavery. Have you, you ever seen the Prince of Egypt? No, is that the Prince of Egypt? Which one is the movie? It's the Prince of Egypt. Go watch the movie. It's a good synopsis. All right. So he delivered them by, by uh, showing his power. And they're on the way to the promised land. This, this land that is said to be flowing with milk and honey and housing. You know, who needs a house, right? Like, I got some place for you to live. I know you was a slave. Come on over here. And see, what happened is on their way, it is kind of hard to get food in the wilderness. And so the Lord gave them this miraculous provision called manna. It was food that literally fell from the sky. And every morning they, they could get up and they didn't have to go hunting. The food was right there. They didn't have to go to 7-Eleven. It was in, in their front, front porch, right? So that they had all this food right there. And even though God miraculously delivered them, and even though God miraculously provided for them every single day, they claimed that they didn't like the food. That's the context. Does not sound petty? You was a slave, and you don't like my food? Like, look, look, y'all. Yeah, okay, anyway. Here's the deal. I just, I just can't even quite fathom this. They're like, I wish I had the steak when I was a slave. And I feel like somebody be like, what are you talking about? Like, maybe the steak was good. I don't know. You want to be a slave again? Like, I just feel like one person that's not, not some sense to him. Like, 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 so sometimes we complain about what we have been given, even if we have enough. And y'all know this is true. It's, it's like, you know, when I'm trying to get my kid to eat a vegetable and they up there complaining, I don't like the broccoli. And me, my smart self, like, well, in other countries, they don't got no, you know, I mean, y'all did that. They don't even got no food. And he just looked at me like, I ain't over there. No, the reality is this. We are so frustrated because not because we don't have what we need, but because we don't have what we want. But because we, we don't think that that what we have is sufficient and we are not looking back on the faithfulness of God over and over and over again to supply every single thing that we need. See, they longed for the benefits of Egypt without remembering the slavery of Egypt. What kind of fool wants to go back to slavery? 
I just, like, I can, I, I just imagine there's this crowd talking. I just kind of see the, and the riffraff, whoever them people are. The riff like, man, I just wish we could go back to Egypt and get them cucumbers. It just take one person and be like, what? What are you talking about? You like being a slave? <laughs> like, forget cucumbers. We got, we got food falling from the sky right now, okay? Uh, can, can we eat the food? There's a part that was skipped in the reading. It, it kind of talked about what the food tastes like. And it says, it tasted like a pastry cooked with fine oil. Y'all, they got cake falling from the sky, and they want some cucumbers. No, made no kind of sense. Like, I wish I had some vet. Let me be quiet. Now, look, look, just one person could have said, listen, now, I know y'all want that good cucumber or whatever, but do you want the slavery that came with it? Now, we can look at this example and think, how crazy is that? But we ourselves can look at the pleasures of sin without remembering the consequences of sin. We can remember the good taste of sin, that, that pleasant feeling that sin would give, but we forget the sickness afterwards. We can, we can feast on the delicacies of lust and anger and not remember the shame and guilt that came afterwards. And as silly as they look, wanting some cucumbers instead of steak, uh, instead of cake, we are out here wanting these, these crumbs of sin and neglecting this feast of God's grace. You need somebody, sometimes when you tempt it, you need to just stop and just wait a minute, like, like, what did it really get me when I used to do the thing? Like, did I feel really good afterwards? Was, was, was I just so proud that I had sinned? Or do I remember that sin had me like a slave? That it would make me do stuff. And then when I would do it, I would feel guilty for doing it. And then it would make me do something else. And then I would feel guilty again. Then I would just be on this, 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 sick, this cyclical pattern of just running to sin, feeling the guilt and the shame and running again. See, we can look back on sin fondly when we only remember the pleasures of sin. We can eat the candy of jealousy and, and don't remember that it has a bitter end. Sometimes we need to just speak the truth to ourselves. We need to speak the truth to one another. I know that that temporary pleasure was good. I know when you said that mean thing to that person, you felt justified. But then your relationship was broken. Do you want to go back to that? Listen, 1 Peter 4, 3, it says, For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do carrying on an unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. Apostle Peter's like, you, you didn't already done that. You didn't did it already. Why you want to go do it again? You, you, you had enough time. Like, in my mind, this, this kind of phrase plays over when I think about sin. I'm like, ain't nobody got time for that. Some of y'all know that video. Ain't nobody got time for that. Like, I, I just, I, I know, I know that I will have to just walk down this road of shame and guilt and I will feel just horrible and days will be wasted while I'm wrestling with my own guilt and shame. If I had just said no to the, to the temptation, I could have walked in peace and joy and happiness for those days. But those days have been ripped away from me because of my own stupidity. In other words, saying you have already experienced what sin had to offer. Why do you want to go back? Not only that, we must remember that, that y'all, God hates sin. And not only that, he has severe warnings for those who tempt others. 
Listen to what Jesus says in Mark 9, 42. It says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. You see that, that small group of people causing the whole company to sin? Jesus said, it would be better if you would just go drown. It's not funny. It's not funny to play with sin. It's not, listen, I, I, I know how the conversations go. It's all right now. Just, I know you, like, you, you had a good day last week. Let's just go ahead and do this thing. Or you deserve it. You, you deserve this thing. You, you didn't had a hard time. You, you deserve this right here. Or no, nobody will know. They won't know. You just do it in secret. Nobody will know. But the reality is that it is a terrible thing to tempt ourselves and to tempt others. Come straight from the mouth of Jesus. Now, here's the deal. I, in the situation, I feel like I kind of understand a little bit how Moses is feeling. Y'all like, what are y'all like when, when they're, I wish I had cucumbers or they got cake. Moses is like, what, are, what? What? What we learn is that we can turn to God in times of trouble. Look at verse 11. So Moses asked the Lord. Why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? And why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth so that you could tell me, carry them at your breast as a nursing mother carries her baby to the land that you swore to give their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? For they are weeping to me. Give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. They are too much for me. If you are going to treat me like this, please kill me right now if I found favor with you. And don't let me see my misery anymore. Now that prayer is probably not a prayer you hear every day. It sounds a bit outrageous, but one thing we need to understand is that Moses was in deep depression. But who did he turn to? Who did he speak to? Who did he pour his heart out to? Who could be entrusted with this pain that plagued him? He turned to God, even though the words weren't pretty, even though this night might not be a prayer you would hear in public. He took the pain and his depression and the pressures that he felt, and he gave them to the Lord. He did not sugarcoat his prayers. See, when we're faced with the pressure of debilitating criticism, our complications, he, we need to turn to God. And we don't need to be afraid if our prayer isn't pretty or rehearsed. Sometimes the reason we don't pray is because we're like, what, does that sound okay to say? You know, I have this practice of, uh, I like to journal my prayers sometimes. It kind of gets get the thoughts out of my mind. And sometimes I look back on months and years past. I'm like, Will, you was, you was wilding that day. Like, wow, you was saying craziness to God. You know but I, I said it to him. I said it to him. Beloved, we have to take all of our pain, all of our frustrations, the things that just wear us down. And we don't have to put it in a pretty little package. We don't have to use these and thous. We don't have to tie a bow on top of it. It's like, God, here it is, all of this. This, this is what I need. This is how I am feeling because God in his grace wants to share our burdens. The one who can handle anything says, you give me what weighs you down and I will sustain you. We also see in this passage that that leadership is a heavy burden. Yeah. 
he might have been all right if he was by himself. But now the burden of leadership is heavy. And, and you get a little, when you, when you are a leader, you get a little snapshot into the windows of people's hearts. In other words, you get to see real quick that people are fickle. I can't imagine how frustrated Moses would have been. Like, we didn't just cross the doggone Red Sea. We didn't just, and you, you talking about these cucumbers to me? Get out of my face with that mess and eat your cake. You know, like, I, just, like, I, I just can't imagine how frustrated. But it, show, it shows you that in our hearts, we are so fickle. That we'll like, we'll like something and, and we'll praise something and we'll be somebody's friend. And then they do something that we don't like and boom, I don't like you anymore. It shows us that, that the picture that Jesus gives for us, that, that we are like wandering sheep. That we just wander around looking for this and that way, and getting stuck in places and being lured by things that are silly. Beloved, leadership is burdensome because people are. That includes the leader himself. Because we, we're so fickle. And then you just get a little snapshot of the patience of the Lord. How much he deals with us when we're complaining about stuff that don't make sense. How much he is so gracious to forgive us when we sin in the same way that time again. He is so patient and he says, I am willing to bear with you. I will not leave you even though you are fickle and you go every which way. I'm going to pull you close to me. That's the one that we serve. And when Moses gets a glimpse of of the the frustrating nature of people's hearts, he just says, I want to escape. I, can, you, can I just die? Can I, I don't want to be here no more. This, this, this is just hard. But, but what we learn is that we can trust God with our stuff, with our junk, with our complications, with criticisms, with anything negative. We can trust God and he will give us strength. Look at the next verse. It says, the Lord answered Moses. Stop. The Lord answered Moses after he just said that crazy prayer. He said, I wish I would die. The Lord answered Moses and says, bring me 70 men from Israel known to you as elders and officers of the people. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the spirit who is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you bear the burden of the people so that you do not have to bear it yourself. Man, the Lord answered Moses and said, I'm going to give you strength and support. We're going to raise up some more godly leaders to guide the people. This has been so, there are times in my life when someone has spoken to me a key word of truth or a key word of encouragement. And that is what gave me the strength to carry on. There have been times in my life where I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to do this ministry. Ain't nobody listening. Da, 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 da. And I, just one leader will say, no, 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 do not give up. No, the Lord is with you. Listen, listen, you don't have to have the role of leader to be that person. You don't have to have a title to be that person. All you have to have is influence. And if somebody listening to you, you got influence. Listen, we need people who will give words of encouragement so that when folks feel like giving up, when folks feel like throwing in the towel, that someone says, no, wait a second. Let me remind you about the faithfulness and goodness of God. We can see in this passage that God wants his people to share the load of responsibility. 
In other words, the pressure of the church cannot fall on one or a few people. You ever try to move a couch by yourself? You might have tried. It probably didn't get too far. But you get two or three other people. It's a little, a little easier, right? Listen, listen, the, the burden of the church, the burden of God's people, the burden of reaching out, it is heavy. But if we all share the weight, if we all join together, we can make real process, real progress without burnout. What I love is, is how he describes who these leaders are. In verse 16, he says, bring me 70 men from Israel known to you as elders. So in other words, he's saying, listen, not just random folk, but folk that's been showed some leadership already. They already known as people that can carry responsibility. It shows that leaders need to be tested first, that they're faithful in the little things. In other words, I, I like to say the leaders like to be fat. Now, not like me. I'm saying that they need to be faithful, available, and teachable. Beloved, if you want to be used by God, if you want to be a leader in God's church, you take that little responsibility that you have and you do that to the best of your ability and God will grant you more. What I love is this, you don't just need some leaders, they, they need the spirit, right? Just not some dudes that's trusted. You need, we need God's spirit to accomplish God's purpose. Now, a lot of times when we think about that, we get real lofty visions, right? Like, we're going to go do something real complicated. I need God's spirit to help me be a good dad. <laughs> All right? I need God's spirit to help me be a good husband. I need God's spirit to treat my coworkers with kindness. We need God's spirit to do the tangible, not the hypothetical ministry, but the service to those around us who are right in front of our faces. That is the arena of ministry. Who is right next to you? Asking God for strength to serve them. When we get to verse 24, we see that all of God's people need God's spirit. Verse 24, <laughs> Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. He brought 70 men from the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the spirit who was on Moses and placed the spirit on the 70 elders. As the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did it again. Two men had remained in the camp, one named Eldad, one named Medad. The spirit rested on them. They were among those listed, but he had not gone out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, assistant to Moses, since his youth responded, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses asked him, are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. You see that long, like Moses is not trying to hoard the gifts of God to himself. He's not, he don't want all the spiritual gifts. He's like, I just wish everybody would have a spirit. I wish everybody would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I wish everybody would prophesy. What's so interesting, if you look at, at verse 25, it says the spirit rested on them. They prophesied, but they never did it again. See, in, in the old covenant, we would have the spirit kind of descend on somebody and then come back, descend and then, and then come back. But this points to the new covenant promise that, that in the new covenant, everybody gets the spirit. With, with what Jesus has done, what Moses hoped for is a reality. That everybody has a portion of the Spirit and everybody has a spiritual gift. The reality is because we need God's help and power to overcome our own sins and faults. Yeah? 
We need an extra push. We need some extra motivation. The other thing that he says, he says, he says I wish that all people, I wish they would all have the spirit. But he also says, I wish that they were all prophets. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down and Peter is preaching, because everybody's like, what is going on today? Everybody's speaking in other languages. Did y'all drink something? Peter's like, no, we didn't drink something today. It's 10 a.m. But what he did say is this. He said, he said, this is what was prophesied, that my sons and my daughters would prophesy, that God, the Holy Spirit, would indwell each believer and that by his power, they would speak God's word. God's spirit is shown through speaking God's word under the influence of that spirit. Now, listen, let's make it brass tacks. What he's saying is I want a community of people that would have the boldness from the spirit to speak God's word to one another. Yeah, that doesn't have to be super fancy. We got this thing right here. I want a community of people that would trust in the Holy Spirit enough that you would speak God's word to one another. I know how it feels sometimes when somebody's saying something, and there might be a verse that pops in your head, and you might think, well, I don't want to be too spiritual. Yeah, you've been there? I, I probably know something I would encourage them, but I don't want them to think I'm that guy. No, you be that guy. You be that girl and speak God's word to God's people because that is the fulfillment of this new covenant promise. We see that the, the answer to our grumbling, the answer to our complaining is that we actually need a new heart and a new mind that's given to us by the Spirit. And this thing that was hoped for in Numbers chapter 11, we get to see the fulfillment of it in the ministry of Christ Jesus. See, Jesus is the ultimate leader who bears the consequences of our foolishness. We are the people in the wilderness longing for cucumber and onions when he gives us cake. We are the people who question his authority, who question his goodness every time Southern doesn't go exactly the way that we want, knowing that he has provided every single thing we need. I wish I had a better this, a better that. I wish I be having such jealousy. I wish my spouse would do this, that. But we have such jealousy and we are rejecting the blessings that he has given us. And I can imagine the same frustration that Moses felt must have been, in some senses, the same frustration that Jesus feels with us. But our Lord Jesus Christ did not quit. Our Lord Jesus Christ saw our grumbling, saw our complaining, know that it deserves God's wrath and says, instead of pouring it out on them, I will take that wrath on the cross. All of their grumbling, all of their complaining, all of their lack of recognizing the creator's gifts, it is poured out on me. He is the leader who bears our burdens and the consequences of our sin. As it says in Isaiah, he was pierced because of our rebellion crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was on him, but we are healed by his wounds. And though Moses could have hoped that the Spirit would fall on everybody, Jesus is the one who gives the whole church the Spirit of God. In Acts 2, it says, when Peter's preaching, it says, Therefore, since he, Jesus, has been exalted to the right hand of God, and has received from God the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. In other words, it's saying like this, Jesus 
He, he did the best. He gets the rewards from the Father. And instead of being stingy with those rewards, he gives it to us. The one who deserves to have the Holy Spirit in him or her would be the one who's holy, yeah? Who is that one? It's Christ. It's Christ. And, with, and without his work, without his death, without his resurrection, without his exaltation, we would just be left without hope. But he pours out his spirit on us, not because we did a good job, but because he earned all the blessings of salvation and he did not hoard them. He gives them freely. So even though we are the Israelites complaining, Jesus looks at us. Not with frustration, but with compassion. Even though the complaining and the grumbling angered God, Jesus said, I'm going to take care of that. And even though we weren't holy enough to receive God's spirit, he took care of that as well. You know, when I, when I think about how exactly do we apply uh, this chapter, the thing that I think about is that it needs to be okay that we are actually honest and that we have hard conversations. Because when we read, I know when you first read the chapter, you were like, he is wilding. Why is he praying like that? Moses, chill. You can't say that. You know, I, I feel like we have this picture. We have this picture of Jesus as a very sanitized picture, which means that our view of Christian maturity is, is fake. Let me, let me explain. You're like, I can't get angry. I got to be like Jesus. And you're like, do you read what he was like, though? And when he was in the temple, what he did? Oh, I can't be sad. Oh, I, like, just be blessed. I just, I can't be sad. I can't just display my sadness. But then the scriptures call Jesus the man of sorrows. Yeah? I can't, I can't let that hurt me so much. I just have to be tough. And Jesus weeps when he sees Jerusalem rejecting him. We have a very false view of maturity, which makes us want to lie. We lie in our prayers and we lie to each other. How you doing? Good. God, I thank you that you didn't help out me. No, when you really feel, I just want to die. Listen, you need to learn how to be honest with God and you need to understand that that is not a fault. That is not a fault. That is not a character flaw. You need to learn to be honest with him. If you are burdened, tell him. If you mad at somebody, tell him. Because here's the reality. If we don't learn how to be honest with God, we will never learn how to be honest with each other. Like, I, like Moses, y'all should have seen the stuff he was saying to people, right? I'm sure they heard him praying. They was like, oh, Moses being extra. <laughs> no, but Moses was honest with the people of Israel, even if it was uh, somewhat uh, hurtful or complicated. He was honest. And what I've, what I've seen is that when Christians speak to each other, a lot of times they are not super honest. If somebody then frustrated you, you need to tell them so you can make it right. Jesus says that. If you got something against your brother, don't come to the altar. Go talk to them before you come over here. But no, we want to be spiritual and we're afraid of conflict. But if, listen, if we want to be like Christ, we would speak the truth and the honesty to God and the truth to one another. Because that is the only way that real growth happens. If I can't be honest with you and you can't be honest with me, then our sin never gets dealt with. And we see things that, or maybe you see something in me 
and maybe I don't see it, and you need to say something. We cannot have true growth and true maturity if we're always living in the fear of man and with the fear of what they're going to think if I say this, that, or the other. No, maturity, Christian maturity, maturity that is empowered by the Spirit, says what needs to be said even when it might be awkward because we love the other person. So, beloved, like we have this, uh, let me just go back to the story. Let me go back to the story. They're, they're complaining to each other, right? We want the onions. I don't like this cake. Imagine if one, just one person would have been like, you are dumb. If one person would be like, what are you talking about? What, do you not, like, if one person would have just addressed these people. Listen, y'all talking crazy. We got delivered from slavery. We got cake on the ground. What are y'all doing? If one person would have just been honest, imagine how that could have changed the trajectory of that group. Beloved, we need the Spirit so that we can speak God's Word in boldness, so that we can see Him working and moving and addressing things, that we wouldn't just cover things up. And I praise God that Christ Jesus demonstrated that. He says exactly what is true, and it don't matter if people are offended. And He offends out of love because He wants to see change. And that same Spirit that, that guided Him lives in us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, well, I ask you that you would give us the courage to be honest in our prayers with you. That you, would be, that you would give us the courage to be honest with one another. Lord God, that, that those who are filled by your spirit would not be afraid to speak your word. Lord, I, I just I ask that we would be a community of honesty and truth. Lord God, that if we are grumbling, that we would have a brother or a sister encourage us in the truth. Lord God, if we are running away from you, that we would have a brother or a sister who would come and get us. Lord God, I pray that that we would be a community that would not uh, be afraid to get our hands dirty as we seek holiness that we would hold each other accountable because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.